We're back. We talked at the top of the show about how we would have a little bit more to say about um, democracy, as it were. Of course, uh, the democracy we're talking about reminds me of a quote from Emerson, who once said, democracy becomes a government of bullies tempered by editors. And uh, the tempered by editors part, <laughs> we think things maybe have fallen down. And uh, joining me to talk about what's happening to my neighborhood is, is my neighbor, Sydney Norris. Welcome to Radio Parallax, Sydney. Well, thank you, Doug. Thank you for inviting me to be on your show. Now, I would remind listeners, we've been talking about this issue uh, about our neighborhood for, for quite some time, fearing that bad things might happen. And um, in talking to you, Sydney, a couple of days before the vote took place last Tuesday in the Sacramento City Council, I had some, some hope that some new information about some air quality stuff might sway some people. And why don't you tell us about what is you presented to some city council members and others uh, in that very issue, air quality. Well, yes, Doug. Um, when the draft EIR came out, we were very concerned about air quality. And um, even looking at the measurements, we have people in the community that are in the health field. We're near two major hospitals. And they kept saying that the uh, measurements were not accurately done. So um, we were fortunate enough to have a world-renowned physicist Dr. Cahill, who was requested from UC by, Davis, yes, by, mm -hmm. who was requested by the federal government to go to the World Trade Center, mm -hmm. and uh, the World Trade Center assess the uh, air quality on yeah. this parcel. Mm -hmm. In addition, we also had a letter from an associate professor of toxicology at UCD, Dr. Zhang, and combined, they confirmed what we had suspected all along that. That the McKinley Village site combines the freeway and train pollutants in concentrations high enough that it is recommended that it not be used for residential. With that information, we were so shocked at the uh, information that there was site-specific pollution and that there was a recommendation from a highly esteemed physicist that that it should not be residential, that we immediately um, sent backup letters to the city council. Dr. Cahill sent his own letter. We sent in Dr. Zhang's letter and uh, several people sent in the same letters to make sure that the city council received it. I have read receipts. Well, and I should also jump in at this point to note that, uh, that the Physicians for Social Responsibility, headed by Harry Wang, local physician, that apparently they got 700 local physicians to write a letter to the city council saying this is a bad idea. Well, the thing that shocked me is I actually read the draft EIR, and in there, the draft EIR points to a California Air Resource Board recommendation that there be no building within 500 feet of a freeway. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, we should remind people the, the, the EIR is the Environmental Impact Report we talked about in this program before about how there was some question about some of the traffic studies. Ellen Cochran on the show last week mentioned that, um, and this did come up in the city council meeting that they had some rather shady ways of assessing the impact on, on traffic. Uh, the traffic study was based on what something they call level of service, which meant how inconvenienced are you sitting in your car under a given traffic scenario? It, it, it didn't even begin to address the effects of people around the people in the car. Exactly. One of the main concerns of the community has been the traffic pollution that the traffic would cause and the safety of children on narrow streets. So narrow that cars have to pull over and uh, let cars pass. They're almost like one lane roads and children are traversing these streets daily. 
So that got turned into um, the issue of the traffic as a, an inconvenience. There's another quote I think I'd have to throw out at this juncture, which was, the facts, while interesting, are irrelevant. Because <laughs> certainly how they seem to have voted Tuesday night. Uh, there was plenty of good evidence presented that there are numerous reasons why this is a very, very bad idea. But the developer, Phil Angelides, is very well connected politically, as is his mentor, uh, Angelo Sakopoulos, who he's in business with. These guys are some heavyweights, and they uh, they know how to, I guess you'd say, um, interact with others in the community to to see it their way. Six to three was the vote on Tuesday night, and you were there. And, I, and I'm just curious, the three were identified that night: McCarty, Cohn, and uh, Angelique Ashby. But the, the six who were voting for it were not specifically named, and I'm not sure who uh, who exactly they were, which I think is odd. Yes, yeah, and we're going to have to clarify for in future shows here exactly how that vote went down, because believe it or not, even though it's a couple days later, uh, looking at the Wikipedia site for the city council, it mentions Bonnie Pinnell and um, Daryl Fong, and I'm not sure those people voted that on Tuesday night. Well, we got to do our homework a little better, but this is odd, I would say. Dave Warren invited... Um Bill Angelides up to speak again, and people were going crazy. They just did not want to have to sit through that. Why he invited him up? Well, he was given a chance to present a very lengthy presentation. And then the city council, again, democracy in action, as it were, they allowed an an hour of commentary in a negative sense to to rebut what Angelides had to say. But then they gave an hour of people to come back in and augment why it was a great idea, including Angelides himself, which which was a bit of a stack deck. Yes, and you can't help notice that the people that were there for the project were people who were profiting from the project. Yeah, almost to the last man or woman, it seemed. Yeah, it was pretty slanted. Anyway, let's backtrack into the air. I I know that there's a dump nearby, a dump which is now a park, and apparently uh, percolating through the ground is methane, which uh, people pointed out might not be a good thing to put concrete foundations or I mean over. It might it might leach through the ground. Uh, in numerous places, but if you create um, obstructions, then pockets of methane may form, which which seems to me like it's a legitimate concern. Well, actually, uh, um, one woman got up and testified that she was uh, at a friend's house and there was a methane explosion. And evidently, the city is requiring that methane alarms be put uh, under the house, but <laughs> I think they would probably explode before the alarms went off. <laughs> wow. Well, I hate to be cynical about our political process, but uh, we've talked for weeks in this program about how uh, our local city councilman, the person that we think would be opposing this since there's such widespread opposition in the neighborhood, would have adopted that viewpoint. Instead, he seemed to have been sitting on the fence up to the last moment when during the meeting on Tuesday, he just said, no, no, I think we now we have to have an, another access, another tunnel um, through the railroad berm, and we just have to vote on that. Meanwhile, the other councilman that this impacts put up a vote that just says, I say we vote for it and just say, yeah, we should have some considerations about a tunnel later without any specifics. And that's what they wound up voting on, which I think, I don't know about you, but I'm really disappointed in our local councilman. It was very shocking um, how the tunnel became the focus of the only issue to solve and a panacea for all of the problems of McKinley Village is beyond me. Right. You know, we blatantly presented the air quality problems several ways. So many actually read Dr. Zhang's letter to the council and the description of that site by these two renowned um, air researchers is that it is a football-shaped bowl 
with an air pattern that blows the freeway pollutants onto the site. Yes. And there it combines with the train pollutants <laughs> and it hovers in this bowl in concentrations high enough to make the McKinley Village site inadvisable for residential, according to these two well, experts. I think this is what got the Physicians for Social Responsibility on board, too, just saying this is just, you know, this is this is not... I mean, Angelides may have put together a great development, but he's got a very bad site to put it in, I think was how a lot of people summarize exactly. it. Exactly. And, you know, the media has been no help in getting this news out. Children and uh, pets are especially susceptible to these high levels. They have smaller lungs. Yeah, well, Sydney, I just have to say that uh, having a prospect of 300 more houses right upwind from me uh, next to the freeway is causing me to call up my local realtor and say, I think it's time I need to sell my house and move. And I, and I know I'm not alone in that. Yes, you know, I'm a real estate agent, and this is a coveted community because of its lifestyle. It's a European-type lifestyle. People walk. They bike. They, they take their dogs on walks. Uh, people are friendly here. And now there is a development that is going to infuse onto these lovely streets a 67% increase in traffic. It's not going to be the quiet bedroom community, the quaint community that it has been in the past. Yeah, and, and by a stroke of bad luck, I'm right between where Mr. Angelides wants to put a stoplight where at least half of the people are going to stream out of this development and the local school. So it's like their, their stats show that there'd be like eight more cars a day once this development was built coming down my street. And it's like, it's, it's just, that's just preposterous. Well, that's not true. An independent study was done and they showed a 67% increase. That's, that's more like it. That, that's realistic. Sure. Well, and so the neighbors couldn't help notice when they did their traffic studies, especially on McKinley, they somehow did it during a time there was road construction. So people <laughs> didn't even use the, the street and the level of service was not adequately measured there anyway. Uh, coincidence or conspiracy? You, you make the call, dear listener. <laughs> Sydney, there's a lot we could say about this. I just wanted you to come on, just kind of do a recap. But maybe in the weeks to come, uh, many people are talking about the potential for a lawsuit. And, and, and I think Steve Cohn said on the Insight program, he'd be, he'd be surprised if there wasn't one. And another gentleman, Terry Castanis, uh, spoke on that show, and uh, he's very knowledgeable, too. We might want to get him back on with you, too, and talk about some of this as, as things develop. Well, we're lucky that people want to come forward with a lawsuit because we stand for children's health. And the evidence has been blatantly submitted to the city council that it's a toxic site, that it yeah. should not be used for residential. Yeah. And if we don't stand for the citizens of Sacramento and the children of Sacramento, who's going to do that? Obviously, it's not going to be our city council. <laughs> Obviously not. Anyway, Sydney Norris, thanks for joining us on here. Uh, Sydney's my neighbor here in town and has, shares my concerns, and I'm glad to have you kind of augment some of the things we've been talking about here, and let's, let's do some more of it. Thank you. It's been so refreshing to be able to vent. After last night, I'm so disillusioned and disgusted and just charged with emotion. Uh, it was nice to be able to voice some of my my concerns. That's what we're here for, therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank right. you so much. All right. And I think as an addendum to this particular story, we're going, we're going to, for the first time on this program, name our jackass of the year. Or should we make it the horse's ass of the year to distinguish it from the jackass of the week? I don't know. Which is worse? I think a horse's ass is slightly worse, so we're going to go with that.
So be it. All right, coming in very early in 2014 as our choice for the horse's ass of the year would be a rather surprising person. But to put it in context, when Steve Hansen, the councilman who has Phil Angelides as one of his constituents, what a coincidence, was shepherding his, uh, his efforts to get this um, development approved at the city council meeting earlier this week. He said at one point, on this issue... The Sacramento News and Review, the Sacramento Bee, and the Business Journal are all in agreement. They're never in agreement, but they all agree this is a good idea. Frankly, on this program, we we would expect no less of the Business Journal. They're obviously a very pro-business publication. The Sacramento Bee is also somewhat captive to its advertisers, which, if you've noticed, tend to be real estate people since they have entire real estate sections of advertising in the Sacramento Bee. I'm not citing the B out in particular for this. This is pretty common across the country. But we would expect the Sacramento News and Review to be holding up the position of the underdog, not doing PR for the rich and powerful. So therefore, we're going to name Nick Miller as our jackass of the year. Now, we admit this does seem a bit unkind that we're putting Mr. Miller, a reporter, ahead of the <laughs> ahead of people like Phil Angelides and Angelo Sakopoulos that are bringing about this development. But frankly, we expect better from a news and review reporter. Now, apparently, uh, Mr. Miller is quite paranoid about the fact that he might become a NIMBY. He wrote an article, an editorial to that, uh, to that effect on the January 30th News and Review. Noting that when he heard about a bar, his first reaction was, oh, hell no, having to then admit to the readership that I guess I have NIMBY genes after all. But then after satisfying himself that this is going to be okay, to his relief, he then said, well, I, I guess, you know, I'm, I guess I'm not a NIMBY. Well, to try and pin the opposition of 10 neighborhood groups as all being a bunch of yimbies against what is otherwise a very fine project is just really crappy reporting. I hasten to add that that opinion, like all those heard on this program, does not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the University of California. And even though in my left hand right now I have a pile of clippings that I was prepared to use to support this choice and talk about this, this whole thing sickens me, and I think we're going to move on to other stuff at this point. We'll return to this in the future. Let's let somebody else talk about neighborhoods, and who better than America's foremost political comic, our good pal, Mr. Will Durst. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words about the tsunami of tech currently engulfing the nation and in the process redecorating communities like a family of grizzly bears and a Volkswagen van. A family of highly paid, bespectacled grizzly bears with a taste for $4 toast. Remember back in high school when the freaks and geeks and nerds were ostracized and used as the objects of our scorn and derision? Well, pull out that letter sweater because those days are back again. The nerds have lost their soft, fuzzy aura of lovable underdogs and are now viewed more like hipster locusts, laying waste to neighborhoods with a voracious appetite for quinoa, kale, and $6 cups of designer coffee. 
Here in the Bay Area, Google has become the face of the evil empire with their high-profile projects such as Google Glass, the wearable computer only available to a precious few, and the Google Buses, which use municipal infrastructure to ferry the precious fewer from cities central to their campus in Silicon Valley. All men are created equal, but obviously some are more equal than others. Most distressing are the alterations to cities where the texters have descended. This October, when shares of Twitter employees become vested, 2,000 millionaires will hit the streets of San Francisco and people will speak dreamily of the good old days when a studio in the mission with no parking and the smell of old men embedded in the walls only cost $3,500 a month. Raising the question, who are the real glass wipes here? The insular, entitled techies blissfully traipsing down sidewalks, laughing at cat videos on their face-born computers? Or the rest of us, desperate for handouts, poised to wipe their windscreens clean with our mini squeegees? For Radio Parallax, I'm Will You know, actually, I've never seen anybody walking around with those Google glasses on, but I'm pretty sure that the first time I do (laughs) that particular noun, glass wipes, it just might come up. Let's take a short break, a much-needed break, I think. we got plenty more in our third segment that will hopefully be a little more fun. (laughs) 